Okay, welcome to episode one of Recreational Podcast. Um, today we're going to be talking about two primary topics. Um, sound quality improvement for your podcast. And why there's no pot yet in Massachusetts. At least recreational pot. Um, my hope is to sort of go over quickly, well, maybe not so quickly, over the uh, sound improvements that I've made from the first little experiment intro to podcast and um, <clears throat> talk about what we've done. Hopefully the sound is noticeably better already. And then I want to talk about uh, the road to legalizing recreational use marijuana in Massachusetts and how that's progressed and where we are now. And it's getting close, I think, to the point where we'll see recreational cells in the state. Um, so that's uh, sort of the gist of the podcast. The at, towards the end, I wanted to also talk about some possible future podcasts and ideas I have for uh, moving that forward. So, in terms of the sound quality improvements, the big difference is that I have a microphone now. My wife purchased for me a podcasting kit for Father's Day this year and that uh, was awesome and it makes a huge difference I've been playing around with it a little bit trying to <clears throat> figure out how to make it work with uh, my setup here just recording through a MacBook and through GarageBand and how uh, using the equipment improves the sound quality so, um, you may or may not know there are very there are a bunch of different types of microphones, but the one that came with the kit is a condenser microphone. What are the other ones called? Uh, the lavaliers are the ones that pin to your shirt or your clothing. Is the, uh, a dynamic microphone that is. Like a typical microphone that you see singers sing with, the one that or sticks onto the mic stand. Uh, let's see. Those are the only ones I can think of right now. But um, you know, there are various types and styles that have different properties in terms of sound. I'm not a sound expert, so I won't get into that discussion. But the condenser microphones are pretty good, and they're pretty inexpensive. And uh, there are a bunch of uh, resources online explaining how they work, and it's pretty interesting how the technology has progressed. Uh, but the kit is a Zingyu microphone kit. Um, I guess it's a condenser microphone bundle. It has a shock mount for the microphone itself, so it's suspended on these little bungee cords. So. Uh, it doesn't really pick up any vibrations on 
the microphone itself. Uh, what else? It has a foam cap. That's just the foam cap that you see on typical microphones. It covers the the metal mesh housing around the uh, sensor inside the microphone. That I guess it's picking up the sound vibrations and sending electrical signals to the laptop. Uh, let's see, a pop filter, pop, pop, pop. It's uh, that little round kind of foam meshy disc that sits in front of the microphone to help diminish the popping of the spoken language, spoken word. Um, then power cable, there's a mic stand. It's pretty, you know, nice, I guess, uh, in terms of um, holding the microphone. It's an articulating arm that uh, clips onto the desk. It has the microphone on the other end, uh, which is sticking into my face right now. Uh, it's not the best quality mic stand, but I mean, it it does the job, and I mean, for the price, you can't go wrong because I'm sure you can get like really fancy special uh, mic stands that articulate and in many different directions and you know, have you know better materials and all that, but um, that's the cost that's probably unnecessary um, and yeah yeah it does does the job pretty well uh, let's see oh the table mount I guess that's just the part that clips onto the desk uh, where the articulating arm or the mic stand kind of drops into the, the apparatus there to keep it attached to the desk let's see uh, let's go through some of the specifications of the microphone because I think it's important to at least know some of this stuff. Uh, you can look it up and try to understand more about what it is. Let's see. The element has a 34 pressure gradient transducer. Uh, the polar pattern is a unidirectional, so a single direction. Hopefully I'm speaking into that uh, portion of the microphone. I'm talking right at the logo, so I'm hoping that's where the, um, the sensor is picking up the sound. Here's the sensitivity. It's from negative 28 decibels at a plus or minus 2 decibel range. Uh, ODB, I'm not sure what that is, equals 1 volt over a Pascal, I, I believe, at 1 kilohertz. The output impedance is 1500 plus or minus 30% at 1 kilohertz. The load impedance is greater than uh, 1000 ohms. Equivalent noise level is 16 decibels at 1 kilohertz. Uh, or I'm not sure what that specification is. Yeah. If you know that one, uh, it's 16 decibels is the equivalent noise level. Uh, electrical current, 78 decibels. Net weight is 3 MA. Hmm. Maybe I misspelled that. <clears throat> Body dimensions are 346 grams. Weight, uh, oh. I guess I confuse those. Wait, 
The body dimensions are 46 by 150 millimeters and the weight is 346 grams. So there you go. Um, so yeah, this are some of the specifications. Hopefully that made some sense to you. If you need to know those, I'm sure you can Google that up and um, get uh, a better idea of the complete specifications of the microphone. So, I mean, overall, I think that this condenser microphone does a way better job than just recording through the iPhone, uh, which is what I used for the previous uh, short little intro episode. Um, so I, I, well, I was using my headphones and the microphone built into the headphones, and I, I don't think it was picking up very well. Uh, so the sound quality on that initial episode is horrible. Uh, some of the benefits of this type of microphone is, like I said, you can make all kinds of adjustments to the sound quality of, of uh, your voice. And this is done through software. Uh, the software that I'm using is GarageBand, and I think that's standard software for Apple product laptops or computers. And uh, yeah, it's pretty versatile. I'm sure it's you can do a lot more than what I've done, but just even making some minor adjustments to the equalizer, um, the, uh, uh, the the voice recording track is, uh, I think, makes a huge difference. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about some of the GarageBand stuff in a second, but yeah, in terms of just the improved quality, I think it's pretty clear that the sound quality is tremendously better when you have a an actual microphone that's used for uh, picking up your voice for singing and, and, and those types of things. So, uh, Another huge benefit is that you've moved away from your iPhone, although you can do voice recordings fine on an iPhone, uh, you know, depending on how much storage you have on your phone, you're limited by that aspect. Whereas, um, you know, plugging it through your laptop, you're able to record onto external drives or the hard drive itself. Now, uh, back to the GarageBand. Now, a couple little uh, tidbits when you plug in the microphone to the uh, headphone jack on your laptop. When you go to your settings and you select the um, output and the input, make sure that you have your external microphone selected for the input. And then I recommend you use some kind of Bluetooth headset to connect to the laptop or to your computer so that you can either hear your sound as you're talking or um, interact with the like music or, or the intro or the outro and that, that sort of stuff. Um, the other option is that the kit comes with a, a USB adapter that I didn't mention here, but uh, it plugs into USB and it has a microphone and a headset jack. So you can plug in the microphone to the mic uh, input and then the headset jack to the headset input. So that's 
I, I didn't try that because it seems to work pretty well just through the headset jack on the laptop. And I'm not sure how it would work with a headset that has its own microphone built in. I, I suppose you could select which microphone to use as input to the GarageBand software. But the way that I do it, did it was just straight through the, the head, head, headphone jack on the laptop, and it seems to work pretty well. Uh, but of course, like I said, you need to use uh, some kind of headset, Bluetooth headset or Bluetooth earbuds or something like that if you want to hear anything coming from the laptop. Um, so the first thing you want to do is you open a new project and the way that I, here's how I did it because it's just for audio or uh, sorry, a, vo a voice recording. And there are other options for you know, recording music and um, I won't go through those. But for, you know, setting up a podcast, you, click, you can click a new project or click straight onto the audio file. But I went through new project, click audio. The voice feature that you want to use uh, or that I'm using is narration, uh, sorry, narration vocal. And some key little kind of housekeeping things are to turn off the metronome on the top bar kind of to the right, to, to the right of the recording timestamp and there's that little metronome symbol you want to click that off there's also the four beat count recording um, feature you can click that off and then the best thing to do is to change the recording uh, signature to a timestamp and there's a little drop down uh, menu that you can switch it to time recording this gives you an idea of how long you're recording is in time. Uh, you can use the default voice recording uh, levels for narration vocal and I think it's pretty good but you could also go into the controls and the equalizer for the selected track so if you select um, the narration vocal track where you're recording at the bottom you can you'll see controls and EQ for equalizer and you can adjust some of the filters and levels uh, for the recording and it makes it a little bit smoother, a little deeper or more dynamic in terms of picking up a uh, voice. Uh, so I, I kind of like this setting. I may play around with it a little bit more after I hear this podcast through myself because uh, um, yeah, I want to make sure I, I tweak it for my own voice. It, it's kind of, as you, we all know, it's strange hearing your own voice, <clears throat> your own recorded voice. So, you know, trying to make it sound nice will be kind of a project for the next few uh, weeks or next few podcasts. Let's see, where am I at? Uh, all right, so, you know, you can find some really good videos on how to work with GarageBand and uh, get in there and work with all the settings and how to save your 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 file the options that I seem that seem to work best for me that I think are the most useful are you, you could s just save the file as a GarageBand project so save as and give the name or give the project the name the title and save it in a designated folder somewhere on uh, 
just external hard drive or on hard the desktop of your hard drive or desktop of your laptop. But the other interesting thing is that you can share from um, GarageBand directly to iTunes, it seems. There's a song to iTunes option, a, a song to Media Browser, and there's even one a song to SoundCloud, which I upload. I, I will be uploading these to SoundCloud first, and then using SoundCloud for um, having the RSS feed necessary for iTunes, but it seems that there's a way to upload it directly to iTunes, which is pretty neat. I, I wonder if that's another way around this RSS feed issue that I talked about in the first little intro episode. But uh, that being said, that the other way that I think it's um, pretty useful is to convert, once you're done with your recording and your project and you have it all nice how you want it, you can convert it to an mp3 file, save that into a folder as well, or somewhere, and then that mp3 file contains your podcast or your episode in its entirety, and then you drop that into SoundCloud, and, that, and then from SoundCloud you do all the, the little housekeeping things that we talked about, or that I talked about in the last little intro episode, and then from there you upload it to iTunes through is iTunes Connect or the the podcast podcast sharing feature in iTunes. So that's sort of the gist of how to get the information out of your computer and into um, a podcast uh, server. So. Um, that's sort of, that's the gist of why, or I mean, how we got the sound quality to improve. My wife was super generous and excited about this little project that I'm starting, and it was a really nice gift to receive on Father. It was a total surprise, and uh, I kind of nerded out a little bit right away. She got a kick out of watching me <laughs> open the, the box like a little kid. I was supposed to, I got it early, I was supposed to wait until Father's Day, and I, and uh, it came early and through Amazon, and uh, I was a, like a little kid, I couldn't contain myself, so it was fun too, it was very nice, my wife too, gift this microphone. So, in terms of some pros and cons, the sound I think is a huge improvement, and the control that you have over the sound is also uh, really good where if you're recording through the iPhone it's there's very little control very little to no control on how the sound is being picked up uh, so the other really great thing is that you can visualize the recording as it's happening I'm watching the software now and you know able to see how much time is um, transpired and what the sound is looking like. If there are any issues I could probably, they, they would probably pop up uh, on the screen. So that's a huge uh, pro and advantage. Uh, the other uh, advantage is that uh, you can add music and create little intros and outros, which I've tried to do for 
these initial episodes in the future. Um, my friend Rob has offered to uh, some music for the podcast, so we'll see um, about getting some music um, maybe for the intro and also maybe get him over here to talk about you know his process for making the music. That, that would be neat. Uh, some of the cons, what, what are some of the cons? The first one is that, you know, the garage band, I had a phone call there. Uh, the garage band software can, uh, can be a little involved if there's a lot that you can do with the software that um, if you know anything about sound or recording sound and music and that sort of thing, then you're, it's great. But if you don't know a lot about it, then it can be a little overwhelming. So that's kind of a drawback to that. So I, I would suggest using, uh, if you're not familiar with how you know, adding filters and adjusting controls and equalizer that you make very small adjustments and check how that sounds in a recording and kind of try to narrow in on something that works well for you. Okay, so I had some couple of interruptions there, phone call and door-to-door uh, -door sales. Uh, so I think I was talking about um, some of the cons being uh, the difficulty knowing what all the little levels and adjustments are, and so that an initial. Getting into the software, the learning curve can be a little bit steep if you're uncomfortable or unfamiliar with that, uh, with those features. Um, there are some pretty good tutorials on online that uh, on YouTube that can kind of help you with that initial kind of barrier. But it, like any other software, it's just getting in there and checking out all the features and clicking on things and making little adjustments before you commit to recording something. Now, the other thing that seems like a con is that, or a drawback is, I'm not sure that GarageBand can handle multiple microphones. I, it seems like it would. You can add music, like music, musical instruments, as well as voice. So it stands to reason that you can add multiple microphone inputs, inputs in it. Uh, you know, it seems like it should be able to do that, but uh, I'm thinking it probably requires some additional equipment, some kind of um, 
adapter box or I, I've seen a couple of videos where they have an external box that um, an external box that you can connect multiple microphones to. So that's the you know, I guess that's a, a con, but you know, in the future I might want to figure out how to do that so that we can have uh, uh, multiple microphones, multiple voices. Uh, otherwise, you know, it would all be recording through the one microphone. I think you could still do that, but of course the sound quality wouldn't be as great. So, wait, that's a quick breakdown on what we've done or what I've done for improving the sound quality and I'm going to continue to tweak the levels and work on the controls and uh, figure out how to kind of narrow down onto some default settings that work really well. So um, if it's horrible, stay tuned, we'll hopefully continue to improve on the sound. So the next part of this discussion, which is part of why I'm doing this podcast is to really get into this issue about the legalization of recreational marijuana use in Massachusetts. So this is something that was legalized or voted uh, into law here in the Commonwealth back in 2016. Currently we're in July of 2018 and there are still no um, dispensaries that can legally sell marijuana for recreational use. In fact, uh, it's still illegal to sell marijuana to anybody for recreational use. Now, there are medicinal marijuana dispensaries where it's legal to purchase marijuana if you have a um, marijuana uh, medical use card, uh, but otherwise there's no legal way to purchase marijuana so um what i've been wondering is what's taking so long why why no pot why is there no pot uh, for sale yet in in the commonwealth so that's going to be the next little discussion and hopefully just do a little bit of history short discussion about how we got to where we are and um what maybe some of the holdups are and where things are moving now. In fact, there are some recent changes that I'll talk about in a second where the first license was issued, but that um, dispensary can still or still cannot sell any marijuana legally. So uh, this uh, question of legalizing marijuana was entered into the ballot in uh, on the November 8th 2016 ballot as question four, and it was uh, known as the Massachusetts Marijuana Legalization Initiative. A yes vote supported the legalization of marijuana and to regulate it kind of like alcohol sale. And the no vote opposed the legalization of recreational use of marijuana. So that was a question initiative on the ballot. Uh, that year and uh, of course voted yes for that and as did 
uh, 53.66% 53.66% of the uh, voters in Massachusetts. So it passed with uh, 53, almost 54% uh, approval over 46.34% opposition. So let's see, I I thought the numbers were interesting. Uh, 1,769,328 people voted yes on question four that year. And 1,528,219 people voted no on that same question that year. In November of 2016, uh, some other states legalized marijuana uh, that's recreational use. California was a big one, Nevada, and also the state of Maine. Uh, Another state had that question on their ballot, but they did not legalize it. They opposed that initiative, or a similar initiative anyway. And that was Arizona. They voted against legalization. So um, in terms of uh, which of the 50 states currently have legalized recreational use, the state of Washington and Oregon both have legalized marijuana now. California now, Nevada, Colorado, as we all know, is the first state. And now Massachusetts and Maine. So these are all the states where it has been um, uh, marijuana, recreational marijuana use has been legalized by the voters. So currently in Massachusetts, like I mentioned in the introduction, there's no way to legally purchase marijuana. So um, that we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, However, in California, uh, as of January 1st of this year, they have been selling recreational marijuana, so they're already up and running. And Nevada beat California to that um, goal by uh, starting recreational sales on July 1st of 2017. So that was pretty good, not too much past um, the voting in of that law. In Maine, there's also still no legal selling of marijuana. They also have uh, regulations that they're trying to put in place for um, making it sort of like selling alcohol. So let's talk about some of the um, aspects of the law that are important to note. So when I talk about recreationally legal in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, this is legal for adults that are 21 years or older. Uh, For adults that are 21 years and older, it's legal for them to possess one ounce or five grams of concentrate outside of your residence. So you can possess that on your person, one ounce of marijuana or five grams of concentrate. Um, You can have 10 ounces inside your residence, so inside your home, you can have 10 ounces. And you can also possess and cultivate six marijuana plants with a maximum of 12 per household. And I imagine this means that if there are two adults, two more adults, only two of them can have 
six plants each. Now, at this point, I also want to make sure that I mention that I am not a lawyer and this is not legal counsel. <laughs> so, you know, it's important. It's your own imperative or your own um, responsibility to make sure you follow up and make sure that you understand the law uh, yourself. Uh, so, in terms of consumption, the only legal place to consume it is in the private residence. So you can't be consuming it out in public. That's still illegal. Um, so if you smell that stuff out in the world, whoever is doing that is doing it illegally. Um, in terms of transporting, you can only transport on yourself the legal limit of, possess of possession outside of your residence. So that would be one ounce or five grams of the concentrate. In terms of cultivation, I mentioned already what is legal for a single adult or for a home or household. So those are the things that are legal right now. Everything else is still illegal. Um, adults under the age of 21, also illegal. Obviously, because you can't um, consume it anywhere other than your residence, having it anywhere on a campus, university campus or school or playground, anywhere is uh, illegal. So what's the holdup on this? What's going on? Why are we now almost two years, well, a year and a half, really, since we voted on this question four, why are we still, why have we yet to see any recreational marijuana sales? Um, and so in terms of the initial timeline that the law was proposing was that sales would begin on the 1st of January of this year, 2018, just like California did. But in December of 2016, there was a uh, some legislation that was passed that delayed that by six months to July 1st of 2018. So currently it's July 3rd. And so by the 1st of this year, there should have been uh, the legalization or the the legal sale of recreational marijuana. Eh, currently that is not the case, but this uh, legislation pushed it back from January 1st of this year. Uh, so the technical uh, uh, litigation was that it would uh, delay the licensing of a recreational sales. So that's how they kind of put back the legalization of marijuana is by uh, delaying the licensing of um, s selling. So let's see. Another kind of setback was that in July of 2017, July 19th, uh, another uh, bit of legislation, H3818, was passed by the State House of Representatives and the State Senate. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. On July 28th of that year, the Governor uh, Charlie Baker, who's a Republican governor, signed that H3818 into law. And some of the basic uh, aspects of that H3818 was that Increased sales and excise tax 
on marijuana, I think by one or two percent, uh, and increase the local municipality power to ban the sale of marijuana. So this was part of question four. The overall law was that um, individual municipalities would be able to regulate or ban sale of marijuana, recreational marijuana in their townships. Now here's a couple interesting bits on that um, adjustment is that we're in the towns where the majority voter approved the referendum. Oh, sorry. Uh, okay, so in the towns where the majority of the town approved legalization, it would require a referendum or a vote by the town um, to ban marijuana sales. So if in this township the majority of the residents had voted for the legalization, then it would have to be it would have to go to a vote to I think to the town in order to ban for the town for the town um, leadership to be able to ban the recreational sale of marijuana. So the flip side of that is where in the towns where the majority of the residents voted against or opposed the uh, question for then the town council or whatever the leadership was could just ban the sale of recreational marijuana uh, through their own voting process. So it wouldn't require a vote uh, put up to the town. And I think that's the interpretation that I have on that. I think that's what it, the gist of that change was. Let's see, what other... Uh, here's a, an interesting one. It increased the number of the members on the Cannabis Control Commission, uh, the Triple C. That's the commission that was put into place by the passing of Question 4. Initially, there were going to be three members, and that increased to five with the, the passing of H3818. Now, of these five members, one would be appointed by the governor, one by the attorney general, and one by the state treasurer. The last two would be voted in by the governor, attorney general, and state treasurer. And uh, so, giving these three individuals a little more power on who to place on the, the uh, triple C. Uh, so, you know, on the whole, it seems like there is a um, concerted effort to delay the sale of recreational marijuana in the state. Um, and then the individual townships are also uh, in try trying to ensure that or trying to block the, the sale of recreational marijuana in the townships or another way to put that is to ensure that the, the town folks or the people, the citizens of that town are happy with the law so that they don't feel like the sale of recreational marijuana has been imposed on their town that the town itself doesn't want to um, sell marijuana or they want to keep that the use of that drug out of their town then that gives them a little more power which I think is great but the thing that I, I kind of 
don't really like is that that those powers and and that same force or that same um, kind of pressure against the what the state has passed into law is what's delaying um, the cell, the legal cell of marijuana in the, in the state. And certainly there are some important regulatory issues that need to be dealt with, and I think that's all important and needs to be done. But I also think that there are some forces at work, some um, parts of the state that want to sort of push back and delay that, which I think is a shame. Mostly, I'm not like a huge advocate on marijuana, but mostly because I think that the legal system or the power of the vote should have more power. We voted it in. There should be more weight to the majority in these sorts of issues. Uh, let's see. So that's the kind of overall gist on where the state of the state is, the state of marijuana sales. The other little bit that I wanted to talk about that was the recent change is that there has been a provisional license awarded to um, a dispensary, uh, the dispensary known as Cultivate in the, in the town of Leicester, Massachusetts. For those of you that are not from Massachusetts, that town is spelled L-E-I-C-E-S-T-E-R, which makes perfect sense. Uh, it's pronounced Lester. That's a Massachusetts thing. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the uh, CEO of that dispensary uh, is uh, optimistic that within a couple, two or three weeks, they'll be up and running. I'm a little pessimistic about that because there are some provisions or conditions that need to be met before they can go ahead and sell marijuana. Now, the chairman of the Triple C is Steve Hoffman, and uh, uh, he, he was one of the five committee members and he was, I guess, uh, talking about how this uh, is a move forward for uh, marijuana and the regulated sale of recreational uh, marijuana use. Okay, so let's see. There are some uh, additional licenses that were uh, awarded, the, the all provisional, the retail license to cultivate, and a manufacturing, and I believe this is cultivation, uh, manufacturing, and transportation licenses were awarded to Sierra Naturals. This is a dispensary in Milford, Mass. So that's where we are now. Uh, I imagine that within two to three weeks, or by the end of the month, we'll be seeing the recreational, uh, the sale of recreational marijuana in the state. So a, a little over a year and a half after we voted it into law. So some might say, oh, that's not bad. But, but in my opinion, that seems a little bit drawn out. And that's kind of an optimistic uh, timeline, I think, from this point, because 
some of those provisions include um, inspections of the facility, um, making sure that you know that it meets all these different standards for sale, uh, sale of this um, product, and um, I think health and safety needs to get involved. And then after, once they pass all these uh, inspections and meet all these conditions, then that license goes back to the triple C and the five uh, committee members then vote on whether or not to um, approve that license. So here I see yet another hurdle and a stumbling block, block or another place where this process can be stalled. So it's, it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. And um, yeah, I'll let you guys know. You guys will probably uh, know because uh, as soon as they legalize it, I'm going to partake in some of it. And so I guess here's a good time to discuss why this is sort of important to me. Uh, important to, I think, for the cause or for legalizing it. We, we've we still we know that it's still illegal at the federal level and so that puts a lot of pressure on the states to make sure that they comply or do it in a way that um, we're you know regulating it well and that shows the rest of the country that it is a good decision which I, I think it is um, so the big fears have always been that, you know, if you use marijuana, that it's illegal, you can get arrested and go to jail and end up in prison. And now that it's been legalized at the state level, at least, you know, that alleviates some of that fear or that, um, you know, uh, barrier for exploring this natural herb or plant in our environment and some of the um, altered states that it provides. So, you know, one of the big things for me is that uh, in the past when I've used it is that there's this sense of paranoia, this fear that can come up, and I think it comes up regardless, but that aspect of it being legal, it, it being illegal had a huge impact on that, on that uh, feeling. And so by eliminating that fear, that risk, then it can uh, hopefully take down some of the barriers for experiencing the positive aspects of marijuana use, which I think there are many. And um, with the absence of this, these bigger worries and fears. So anyway, that's why I think it's important that it gets legalized and that there's no issues with no loopholes or caveats or a year and a half has gone by or that it's been legal to possess and have it but you know there's nowhere that you can buy it legally and so the black market and the illegal sale of marijuana is still alive and well which is another big thing that we want to fight against by removing it from the criminality of the criminal um, world and bringing it into the legal aspect where we can Again, regulate it and tax it, um, and keep it in, in sort of uh, in the light, keep it safer, so that people are not afraid of what the, they're experiencing. So, yeah.
there's that. So uh, that that's sort of the gist of what I wanted to talk about. There are a lot of other different little aspects about this that you know we can get into in other discussions, but um, I think the next thing I want to get into is maybe music for the podcast in terms of the podcast aspect. Uh, if we can figure out how to add music, like real music, in the intro and outro, I'll talk to my friend Rob to see about uh, what he wants to do with that. And we'll bring him on. Maybe that'd be great to bring him on. He can talk about that. Uh, and then, like I said, the first time, as soon as it's legal, I'll be partaking and we can have a podcast discussion on, um, you know, why should I get high? Why should anybody get high? What are the benefits of getting high? Why stay sober? Uh, what's a good way to use? Um, obviously, with any substance, if you, know, you use it incorrectly, it's very easy to abuse. Um, although, you know, you hear often that marijuana is not addictive, but it certainly can also be abused, in my opinion. And, um, you know, what's the best way to avoid that? Um, so, yeah, maybe those are a couple of upcoming episodes or discussions. Anyway, I want to thank you guys for listening. Um, my name is Luis Rosado, and I'm hoping to continue doing these over the next, you know, several months and see how it goes. Maybe continue um, after it has become legal and explore some of these benefits that come with uh, using marijuana. Okay, thank you, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one.